0: Welcome to the Hope Community Church Podcast. We're so grateful that you're here with us today. We pray that these messages encourage you, inspire you, and give you hope. Whether you are in your car, at your house, or your job, we hope you enjoy these messages. I want to start off today uh, a series we're calling, That'll Leave a Mark. And here's what I'm confident of. you're sitting in this room this morning, God has called you to something important whether anybody else around, sitting around you or related to you realize that God has called you to some important, it may not be something anybody even knows about, but it's important for the kingdom. And so I believe that you're called to leave a mark in your time. And so over the next couple of months, I think we're gonna talk about how to do that and how to be sure about that. Today, I wanna to talk to you about being unique. In a world, in a culture, in American culture, it says, be yourself. It's really awkward when you're yourself because culture is trying to push us all to be the same. So our culture kind of speaks out of both sides of its mouth It says, be yourself. And then when you're yourself and don't fit in, then there's no place for you. I want you to walk away this morning with confidence that God made you uniquely who you are. You look like you do, you think like you do, You walk like you do, you talk like you do because God did it on purpose. Amen? So we're gonna start there. We're gonna start, you're gonna leave a mark because you're unique and God did that on purpose. So why don't you turn, if you've got a paper Bible, you can turn to Genesis. Start right at the very beginning. Stand to your feet in honor of reading the word. We're gonna start right Genesis chapter one, you can see it on the screens. If you have your phone, you can go to uh, the Bible app on your phone and find Hope Community Church on the events thing, and you can find the notes right there. Genesis chapter one, we're gonna skip then to Genesis chapter two, we're gonna read a little bit then from Psalm 139. Say amen if you're ready. Genesis chapter one, we're gonna start in verse 26. Then God says, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image and the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens over every living thing that moves on the earth. Then if you fast forward just a little bit to the next chapter, Genesis chapter 2, verse 5. When no bush of the field was yet in the land, and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land. And there was no man to work the ground, and a mist was going up from the land, and it was watering the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east. And there he put the man whom he had formed, of the ground. The Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now we'll read from Psalm chapter 139, verse 13, the Psalm of David. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. Father, we thank you today. God, I pray that your spirit would convince us this morning that we were made in your image, that you were intentional about us, everything about us, Lord. We thank you for the confidence that we're yours your handiwork we pray lord that that confidence god would turn into grace for other people turn into following your will in our own lives we we pray that lord when we have confidence that we're yours and you created us that we'd bring glory and honor to you and we thank you for that today in jesus name we pray and everyone said amen you may be seated If you read Genesis chapter 1, there is, what we just read, Genesis chapter 1, there is a, a statement about God making humans. You find out that humans were created differently than, than all, the other, all of the creation. You, you see a pattern in creation. Um, God would say, let there be, and it was so. It, it was so. Let there be, and there was light. Let there be, and the water was separated. Let there be, and there was fish. Let there be, and there was bugs. He could have left that one out. <laughs> but it was let there be, let there be, let there be, let there be. Then when you get to humans, God changes a pattern. He doesn't say let there be. He said he let, said let the human, let, let the man be in my image. Let him, we're going to. We're going to do this different. You all, you all of a sudden get a feeling that this is a different, like something's changed. Like we, we went from, we went from, it's just going to exist to now there's an, an exacting purpose for, for humankind, for, for the first man. Then you fast forward to Genesis chapter 2, and there's, there's details about the way it happened. So before he said before the rain had even been developed, it was just a mist that came up from the earth and everything was watered like that. And he said he took the dust of the ground and formed it. God himself molded the first man, intricately, intimately designed. If, if you were to take a piece of wood and carve it yourself, you would know everything about that piece of wood. You would you would know intricately the, the way the grain goes and, 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 how, and how the wood reacts to the chisel. You would know. So all of a sudden we have, we have God speaking things into existence and now we have God shaping something. It's different. It's more intentional. It's more, it's more, it's more involved. It's, it's the whole thing. And then the beautiful part is, is Adam's first breath is the breath of God. You would need pre-workout that morning. That's the breath of God. And it says he came alive. God breathed into him and he came alive. Man, that's good stuff. That creation story causes us to think about us in a way that is different from cats. By the way, for the cat lovers out there, hopefully not many, there's a church down the road that will accept you. Um, We just lost half the online viewers. Cats are not made in the image of God, obviously. Dogs were not made in the image of God. Fish were not made in the image of God. Grass is not the image of God. Nothing else in creation is in the image of God except humans. Except humans. There's a, there's a capability that he gave us that he didn't give anything else. The ability to gain intellect, to reason, to figure things out, to, to argue, to, to rationalize, to feel compassion and sympathy, to... To be empathetic towards things. He, we have so many more things than a cat. I read an article one time that a cat just walks around trying to figure out how to kill you. <laughs> you didn't realize you just invited a bunch of serial killers into your house. Like when they're asleep, I'm going to pounce. The way God designed your brain is different from anything else on the planet. The most intelligent animal on the earth cannot do what you do. It cannot apologize. It cannot cannot take a class and better itself. It it can't it can't rationalize the next step. It, it, It can't. But God specifically said, We're gonna make man this way on purpose. The best animal on the planet can't have a relationship with God, can't be forgiven of their sins. Well, animals don't sin. They just do what they do. We have a built-in capability to communicate with God himself. That's different. That's unique. That was purposeful. Fast forward all the way to David. David says, "Man, you knew me. You knew me. You formed me in the dark. You, you fashioned me. You, you did all this on purpose. I was fearfully and wonderfully made. You know my innermost being." He, he he's painting this picture of God, of 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 generations after creation. David paints a picture of God creating David on purpose. It wasn't just a collision of cells in a womb. It was. It was God's handiwork, it was God's purposeful intent for David to come out looking the way he looked and thinking the way he thought. And we fast forward thousands of years, the same thing happened with you. You're unique. You're as unique as anybody ever to walk the planet. Matter of fact, you are a masterpiece, you're one-off. You've heard the saying, when God created you, he broke the mold. That was absolutely 100% true. There There has never been anybody that's exactly like you and will never. I don't care how long humanity continues to exist. There will never be another you. Even identical twins are not identical. God made sure that even when we glance at people and they look the same, that he knows how much they're different. They started in the late 1800s, they started looking at people's fingerprints. That's why I tend to shave all mine off once a week. Started looking at people's fingerprints and they started, um, they started realizing that you could look at a fingerprint And and they started realizing in the late 1800s that fingerprints were absolutely 100% unique. And then they started figuring out that even when fingerprints look similar, when you look at them even deeper with a microscope, the ridges and, and curls on a fingerprint, the things that make up your ridges, when you look at it deep enough, the way your ridges are made are unique. That's crazy. Something as simple as the end of your fingers singles you out from all other people in humanity. That's why if you, ever, if you ever travel pre-COVID, now I don't think they're doing it now, but if you ever traveled pre-COVID to another country, when you, got to, when you got to customs, they typically, in the last five, 10 years, they'll have you put your fingers on a digital fingerprint scanner. Why? Because even now, with all the technology, they know this is the thing that separates you. This is how to identify you god all the way down to the ridges on your fingers made sure you were unique so so i got to i got to read you a couple things that i found fascinating this week so there's a there's an article that was written in 1920 from the university of applied science in chicago 1920 before computers, a couple years before computers. There is one point of which we're absolutely convinced and that, is, and that is no two fingerprints are alike. We might take hundreds of thousands of prints from as many persons and there would be no two that we could call absolutely alike in every detail. There might be two or maybe even more of them that would have the same general design but even then, we would find, on careful examination, that they were vastly different. Or so much so that we could easily point out the differences when we compared the two prints. That was in 1920. Then I read an art, a BBC article from 2017. And uh, if you don't like to laugh, you're going to have a bad time today. <laughs> wow, old mean face over there. Um, I think the joy of the Lord is our strength. We should be able to laugh in church. Okay, if anybody didn't say amen, just be like, "Mm." A guy named Richard Gray wrote an article documenting seven characteristics of our bodies that scientists are finding out make us unique enough to identify us apart from other individuals. It's not just your fingerprints. Are you ready? Get ready. Okay, your ears. That's funny, isn't it? (laughs) Look at your neighbor and say, man, you got some good ears. You got beautiful ears. Okay, watch this. There's a research place that can, in .0, they've developed technology in .02 seconds, .02 seconds, they can scan your ear and with 99.6% accuracy, tell you who you are. Separate you from everybody else. Now, here's the crazy part. Um, Some of you older, uh, uh, seasoned people um, know that there's two things on your body that never stop growing. One is your ears and one is your nose. They're cartilage. Sorry, if you're 20 in here and you've already got enlarged ears, they're not getting smaller. (laughs) Now, the thing is, is the, is the, uh, what, what do you want to call it? The relationship of your ear, the, 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 way it's, the way it's shaped never changes. It just gets bigger. So throughout your whole life, they can run your, a picture of your ear through a computer and tell it's you. So you thought when you were wearing a mask, facial recognition wouldn't pick it up. They were like, no, we got your ear, baby. We know who you are. Your ears. <laughs> the next thing is this. Um, hey, uh, th- turn to the person on your right and say, I thought I noticed you smelled pretty good this morning. <laughs> Just tell them. I thought I noticed you smelled pretty good this morning. Thanks for that, by the way. Tell them thanks for that, by the way. It's kind of full in here. Thanks for smelling good this morning. It, it's courteous. It's courteous. Do you realize, most recently, researchers at the University of Information Science and Technology at Kyushu University in Japan claim they can distinguish between individuals with 100% accuracy using equipment that produces anatomic fingerprints of a scent and then running it through an artificial neural neural network on a computer. Now watch this. It can even sniff through your cologne to tell it's you. So you thought you spray a little polo on today and a little something else on tomorrow and, you'll, and, and they won't be able to... No, no, no. They can tell it's you through the cologne. You smell like you. <laughs> Nobody else. Nobody else. You smell like you. Now, if your spouse is sitting beside you, you can say, man, I, I saw... I walked by you in the grocery store, I didn't, I, and I I knew it was you. My smell does change after I eat garlic. Yeah. <laughs> All right, another one. The way you walk. Scientists are developing software and mobile phones to detect... They are with the registered user by evaluating their walk while in their pocket. So the way you walk, nobody has been shaped exactly like you ever on the planet with your joints in the same, and the, the, your gait, and the way you put pressure, and the way you, the way you, the way you, <laughs> the way you do that thing, when they're, they're developing technology, when you put your phone in your pocket, that then your, your phone would know it was with the right user the way you walk look at your neighbor and say I I could tell it was you by the way you were walking it gets better it gets better hold on hold on hold on hold on hold on I gotta be sensitive with this one the fourth one is your backsides do you realize scientists are figuring out nobody has the same backside? So, you could say to your wife, I knew. (laughs) Okay, we're not that scientific, but the scientists are. So, watch how this is working. According to researchers in Japan, they can tell who you are purely from your backside. They develop a pressure-sensitive pad that can be fitted into the seat of a car or desk chair. 360 sensors, because that's how unique your backsides are. Detect the contours of a person's backside when they sit down. Differences in where they apply the pressure on the seat. They might sit more on one side than the other, for example. And how much of their body touches the seat? So slouchers will have a different sitting profile than those that sit straight up. So what they're saying is they, they can, technology is getting to the point where they could put these sensors in your car seat. And you could get in and your car would only start to your. You could be like, hey man, go ahead and drive. Yours don't look nothing like this, I can tell you right now. Go ahead and try. Sit down. Take a couple seats. Get up. Sit down. I don't care. It ain't going to start. <laughs> you know somebody's stealing a car when they're like, <laughs> come on. I'm right there. I'm almost there. I told you we we're going to have fun. You're absolutely unique. You're skulled. You know nobody has the same skull. Who knew? Do you realize we're carrying around our own personal tuning forks inside our heads? So what scientists have figured out is the thickness of your skull, the shape of your skull, the porosity of your skull. Everything about your skull is absolutely unique. And then when you introduce sound waves into your skull, it comes out a different way in every single person. You can introduce the same sound wave into each of our heads, and the result of that will be infinitely different. So what we find out is the researcher's skull conduct system could be used to unlock mobile phones or other devices like you remember the Google Glass, the glasses that that were coming out a couple years ago? You could put the glasses on and then just playing a little bit of a sound where it touches your skull, the glasses could acknowledge that it was on the right user. So we send a known signal into the skull and analyze what comes out. It could be potentially also used for other parts of the skeleton, too. Your bones are so unique, they transmit sound differently. Your fingernails. Hidden within the shiny surface of our fingernails are a series of ridges and contours that have been found to be unique in studies of thousands of samples. When examined in the right light, the patterns on the surface of the nail plate, the hard part of the nail, which is made of translucent keratin protein, can be revealed. Your fingernails. Now, I chew all mine off, so they're... It's a moot point. Then the last thing here, the seventh thing is this. Researchers at Shang, Shandong University in China, along with colleagues at Kinki University in Japan, insist the distribution of the pores on your nose is stable throughout your whole life. Remember, your ears and your nose, the only thing keeps growing, but these researchers are saying that the, that the way your pores are aligned on your nose stay the same, no matter how big it gets. Here we're trying to cover it all up, and God made us with unique pores. Wouldn't it be great if they were like, man, you got the best pores ever. It's like the little dipper on your nose. They're all lined up. (laughs) So they developed a system that can recognize nose pores from photographs and match these to a database. They claim they can identify people taking part in their study with 88% accuracy. David says, you form my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. See, the danger for us is to believe that Adam and Eve were made unique and then everybody else isn't. David comes along thousands of years later and says, no, no, no. You still made me unique. You formed, me, you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. You know what, most of us have issues with is this God is happy with the way He made you, and a lot of times we're not. It's true. David said God was happy, it was good work. He said, Wonderful are your works, my soul knows it. He said, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Every body shape, is from God every personality is from God? You were fearfully and wonderfully made, and the body of Christ needs them all. I'll say that again, the body of Christ needs them all. Amen. You've probably heard this said before. We' heard me talk about this before, but we, um, we, we read a lot of books on personality and, and all those personality studies here and with the staff and we walk through personalities because I want to know who I'm dealing with. So it helps to know how different personality types operate. It just helps to know. So one time uh, Pastor Adam came in and we had been doing the Enneagram study, which is really, really popular right now. And he said, uh, Hey, I read a book and, or listen to a podcast. He said, Hey, I I realized, he's like, You were an eight. What was Beth again? He said, one. He goes, yeah. um, Yeah, you guys usually don't work out so well being married. (laughs) There's personality types. And I said, bro, it's been a struggle. (laughs) For her. (laughs) So I'll let you know. I've I've told this story before, but it fits. Um, Years ago, we were were buying a, a house that we wanted to, make as a rental. And for whatever reason I was tasked with doing the detail work. Anybody knows me knows that's probably a really dangerous thing to do. So I go into the bank and I'm filling out all the paperwork and the loan officer at the bank was been working there a long time. And I'm just kind of like, Hey, you do your job. I'll do mine. Who's going to check? So I get all the paperwork together. I take it home. And I'm, I'm always like, we got to get this done now. We got to get it done now. We got something else to do. Come on, we got to go. Like, just sign this stuff. Let's make it happen. And um, so my wife is the exact opposite of that. She's going to check every detail. So um, it, it might have been a little bit shocker to me that she was going to read all the documents. I'm like, who reads everything? So I put them down in front of her, and I'm like, hey, just sign it. I got to get it back. Let's get it done. All the numbers work. And uh, she said, no, I'm going to check it. In my personal eyes, I'm like, why? She reads down through it. She's like, well, that's not right. I'm like, it doesn't even change anything. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that much. She gets down another one. That's not right. There's like three or four things that weren't right on these documents. And I'm like, look, I mean, it's minor. It's just a legal document that's going to bind us for the next 30 years. It's not a big deal. So to her credit, she was like, no, you're going to go back and fix it. So here I am. I'm a grown man. And I've got this loan document. I walk back into the bank to the loan officer and I'm like, "Uh, hey, (laughs) I know you've been doing this a long time and you're pretty good at what you do. But my wife said, fix this. She highlighted with a big X where you messed up. And um... Now, if you're not careful and you have detail-oriented people in your life, you may let them drive you crazy. But if the kingdom of God did not have detail-oriented people in it, we would all be in jail. And so once, once you realize that every personality type, the people that are, that are more sensitive than me, the people that are more detail-oriented than me, the people that are more empathetic than me and, and take longer to do anything than me, and all that, they're all necessary. One personality type is not better than the other because here's what you start to find out. One personality type is good in one circumstance and it's absolutely necessary to have a different personality type in another one. If you want counseling, I am not your guy. You're going to come to me and I'm going to be like, we talked about this last week. I thought you'd have it fixed by now. I mean, how long are we going to talk about this? You don't want that for counseling. You want somebody that's going to be patient and just bring it out slowly. I'm like, hey, let's get it out, chop off its head and deal with it. What are we going to do? Let's make it happen. We've got somewhere to be tomorrow. <laughs> so what we find out is every personality type is necessary in the kingdom of God. I want to read you something from Paul wrote to his first letter in his first letter to the Corinthians, but before that, I want to stop a second. I want to say listen, listen. Everybody type is beautiful to God. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to separate us by male and female for a second. I'm going to just talk to the men. Listen, we get off easy on this, man. It's like beards are cool, beards are not cool. It's about as far as it goes. I mean, I was so happy when dad bods came in. And I was like, oh, I get to let myself go a little bit. This is fun. But once you start finding out, I'll tell you, for me personally, I, I am on the path I gain about 25 pounds a year, 20 pounds a year, and I lose 20 pounds a year. It's called the Chris diet. It's called I know that the church is going to fast sometime in January, February, and I'm going to lose 20 pounds. So guess what? If I walk in fat in December, it's on purpose. All of you people that are walking around December trying to fit into something, I'm like, no, I'll fast in January i 'm going to enjoy myself at christmas i'm If they pass around the pumpkin pie i 'm getting two pieces with whipped cream because i 'll lose weight later. <laughs> Anybody else? here 's the problem there's a pile of people in this room, including myself at times that are trying to fit into somebody else's image of you and And I was. A little bit self-conscious about it as much as I can be self-conscious. A little bit self-conscious about it at times because I would walk in this building after gaining 20 pounds, and somebody would say, Oh, Pastor, shirt's fitting a little tight. And I'd be like, It's December. <laughs> and then it would be like, Oh, it looks like you've lost some weight, Pastor. It's January. We're always trying to fit people into what society has deemed an acceptable shape or figure or height or look. And we manipulate ourselves and we worry ourselves and we have anxiety because we don't fit into that shape. Now, men, I'm not talking to you anymore. I just want the women to lean in here for a second. Some of you are carrying weight about the way you look, not weight, but anxiety weight about the way you look that God never intended you to carry if you're fearfully and wonderfully made. And our society has put massive amounts of pressure on women from an early age to fit into a mold. And here's what I found out. You can do a Google search about women's shapes over the last 3,000 years. There was a study done on it. Here's what I found out. If you just hang in there, whether you're a little bigger or whether you're a little skinnier, if you just hang in there, your shape becomes popular sooner or later. Yeah. People are fickle. What a society likes today and what they like in 50 years ends up being to- looking totally different. And yet we're trying to jam ourselves into something that five people that edit a magazine say is acceptable. And what I want to tell you is you should be confident in your own skin because God made you on purpose. Throw it off. Stop trying to please everybody with the way you look and start waking up with confidence and believe that you are fearfully and wonderfully made and there is no standard that you need to live up to with the way your body is shaped. I'm talking to the women. Stop trying to conform. You're beautiful. I'm not saying don't be healthy. I'm not saying don't listen to the doctor. But your backside's different than everybody else's. (laughs) And an acceptable backside today will not be an acceptable backside tomorrow. Be confident this morning. You're beautiful. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. God knitted you together in your mother's womb. And if he wanted you to be a different shape, he would have did it. You say, why are you saying all this? Because you can't leave a mark of insecurity. If God set you on the earth to accomplish a certain amount of things, you will never get there waking up thinking it was a mistake the whole time. You'll never get there thinking that you got to fit into somebody else's opinion about what looks good. You'll never get there. And men, the best thing that you can possibly do is tell your wife she's beautiful and mean it. The men are afraid and the women are like, why did he say men?" First Corinthians chapter 12, Paul writes his first letter to the church in Corinth. For just as the body is one and as many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so is it. So it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews, Greeks, slaves, free. And all who were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. So Paul's saying, listen, it doesn't it doesn't matter what background you come from. It doesn't matter what race you are. It doesn't matter what nationality you are. Once Jesus is in you, we're all one. We're all part of a body. Amen? You're part of a body, but have your unique role in that body. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. He says what makes it beautiful is that we all come together, different looks, different shapes, different personalities, different everything. We all come together. He said, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would we get our sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need for you. Nor again to the head or to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Did you hear that? The parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. So we focus so much on the way we look. You never heard anybody say, hey, man, you see my liver lately? Look at that thing. It's right in this area. That thing is great. Try to live without it. Try to live without your liver. You can live without a leg, without an arm, without an eye, without a nose, without an ear. But those are the things we put the most important emphasis on. Start doing that. Be like, hey, man, that church is really into livers. (laughs) On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And, And on those parts, the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which are which are more presentable parts, do not require, but God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer. If one member is honored, all rejoice. An essential part of leaving a mark on this life, on your community, on this world, is believing that God created you, Uniquely and intentionally to do just that. There's nobody else like you. Nobody else that thinks just like you. Nobody else that processes things just There's nobody else just like you. We live in a culture that's obsessively dissatisfied with the way we look and feel. Constantly desiring to change ourselves to look like someone culture approves of. I'm saying I like you the way you are. You look great to God. There's not a deficiency in the way he made you. The irony here is that the guy that wrote Psalm 136 that we just read, David, who said, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, you knit me together. Listen to this. When he was anointed king of Israel, the second king of Israel, he was not the first pick. Here's the story, 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse seven. But the Lord said to Samuel, now here's how this went. There was the dad who had a bunch of sons. Samuel, the prophet, here's, God tells him, go to Jesse's house and anoint one of his sons as king. I'll tell you which one it is. So he shows up at Jesse's house and he says, hey, listen, I'm gonna anoint one of your sons as king. So Jesse marched out all the guys that looked like king, looked like a king. Isn't that what we do? We march out everybody that looks the part. So he he marches out all his sons that look the part. And Samuel's like, man, this is a good lineup. It's going to be easy. He get to the first one. God say, nope, not him. Second one, nope, not him. Nope, not him. Nope, not him. Nope, not him. And this is what he says in chapter 16, verse 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature. Because I've rejected him, for the Lord sees not as man sees. But man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. So the guy that would later write, he knitted me together. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, was not put in the lineup. He didn't make the cut. Samuel gets all the way to the end and looks at Jesse and goes, hey man, you got any more kids? I was supposed to anoint one here. You got any more? Oh, yeah. There's a young one, David, out there. Not very tall. Going to have trouble with that king thing, not being very tall. Go get him. Brings David out. He was described as ruddy, red. God said, yeah, that's the guy. Later on, God would say of David, he's a man after my own heart. Can I say this to you? If you're going to change something about you, change something that matters. Ladies, look at me. If you're going to change something about, listen, especially young ladies, if you're going to change something about you, change something that matters. The color of your lips don't matter. The shape of your body doesn't matter. The way your hair, it doesn't matter. God is already pleased with you. If you're going to change something, change something that matters. Turn your heart, change your heart towards God. Change your heart. Let me tell you this. If you can turn your heart towards God and the anxiety goes down, your appearance will change overnight. Change something that matters. The greatest king of Israel did not look the part. Last thing I want to tell you is David says something that if you don't pay attention to it, you might not catch. But he basically says, God numbered my days. He says, even before my days started, he wrote my my days down in his book. Now, anybody like deadlines? Any weirdos in here that like deadlines? There's only one in the other service. Um, Okay, most of us don't like deadlines. But deadlines do end up having an effect on us, don't they? They make us intentional. Even procrastinators become intentional with a deadline, like thirty minutes before. I gotta hurry up and get this done. Deadlines make us intentional. Deadlines make us make us passionate about. Deadlines we are like okay. Well, listen. You have a deadline. David says, "Man, he made fearfully and wonderfully made and knitted me together, and he wrote my days down." There's a specific number of days we get. And the church can't walk around questioning whether we have something to do or not. Trying to figure out if we're good enough for it. Trying to figure out if God likes us for it. Trying to figure out if my personality fits or if my body shape fits. The church can't walk around with, 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 without confidence that we are who God designed us to be. Once the church is confident that everybody, every part is important and everybody's playing their role, then we realize he he has done this to accomplish something. That's the beautiful part. He's done it to accomplish something. So David said, man, the days are numbered. We have to be intentional about it. We have to be intentional about what God called us to do. The band's going to come up. I'm going to leave you with this. Stand to your feet. I started, doing, um, I started doing a little bit of reading on fingerprints. And do you know, do you know that you can, Does anybody heard of the term latent print? A latent print? Any police officers in here, anything like that? A latent print. A latent print is one that you left and you didn't mean to leave it. Because there's oils in your fingers, that's why I shaved, I told you I shaved mine off every, I don't wanna, it's a long story. Um, you can just walk around because there's oils in your fingers. You can just walk around touching stuff and inadvertently leave prints on there. Now, now the problem with that is they're typically not great prints. Typically not great. If you leave a latent print, it could be a partial. They have to use all this technology to figure it out. And, and they got, well, I got a partial print. We're gonna to try to match it. Anyway. And there's a lot of technology that goes into figuring out latent prints. Now, God didn't intend for you to go around just accidentally leaving prints in places, that it takes people a long time to figure out what you meant. I was in the sheriff's department one time on my own accord because I had to get a background check for somebody, for, for something. And when I went in there, The sheriff's deputy put an ink blotter out, ink blotter out, is that what you call it? thing of ink. And he said, I want you to put your thumb in that, your forefinger, I want you to put all your fingers in that, and then I want you to on purpose press it into this piece of paper. Now that was different. I went into that place and left a mark on purpose. I put my finger down in that ink and I stuck it on that paper. I'm like, that's me. That's me. I don't wanna go around accidentally leaving marks. I don't wanna go around accidentally, well, maybe they'll catch it, maybe they won't, maybe that. No, 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 no. If you walked in here this morning, I want you to leave confident that God designed you the way He designed you on purpose. You think the way you think on purpose, even if nobody appreciates it. You think the way you think. You respond the way you respond on purpose so that you could specifically take your life, dip it in the ink and put a mark on your family, put a mark on your community, put a mark on this world. And here's the thing. It doesn't mean that you're going to stand in front of a bunch of people or people are going to clap. It doesn't mean it. It means that you've accomplished what God called you to do Means that you fulfilled the purpose. When you leave a mark on purpose, you have done what God set you on the earth to do. That's my prayer for you this morning. Throw off all the shackles of having to meet somebody else's expectations or look a certain way or think a certain way. No, 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 no. He's fearfully and wonderfully made you. Now it's time for you to dip your life into that ink and leave a mark on your community. Just be who you are. Let God, let God use you the way you are. Wake up in the morning confident that you are who you are because God designed it that way. Amen. We have to be convinced of the church, convinced in the church that God did it on purpose. You're like you are, and I'm like I am, on purpose for His glory. And when we leave a mark, it brings Him glory. Amen. We thank you for your time today. We hope you have grown closer to Jesus Christ through this message. If you found it helpful, share the message. Share it with your friends and your family. And with your help, we can take the gospel far and wide.